0: We use the phrase uh, ministry when we're talking about uh, our public faith and evangelization. And uh, what do you think of when you you, you, you hear the word ministry? Right? Someone says, well, I'm going into the ministry. It's uh, probably one of the phrases that comes our, to our mind, or he's in the ministry, or uh, someone asks me what I do. Uh, I might say, I'm a minister. Um, and, and so uh, we might get different ideas. We, a person might think of,, well, that kind of sounds sort of like missionary work or something like that, so <coughs> ministry stuff. So, uh, or or pretty, pretty much probably a lot of people uh, think, well, he preaches sermons. And that's pretty much what comes to your mind when you think of ministry? A, a person who stands up in front and says stuff and then he's done, uh, and then we go eat lunch. That's, that's being in the ministry. Uh, so, and, and we're, uh, we are going to be doing some ministry today, uh, for those who, and, and we will be eating lunch, uh, but not in that order. Uh, so, uh, we'll be doing some lunch and then, and then doing some ministering. Uh, this is important because we're talking about public faith, and it intersects with the concept of public ministry. Uh, and, and many people think of that aspect of of our faith as kind of like extra credit. This is this is the extra credit portion of my faith where I do public ministry. Um, and and really what God wants is, wants this right here, and this is what he desires. Not that this is extra credit, but, but we kind of, I think, sometimes place the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Uh, uh, in, in sense of we kind of... Think the wrong way in terms of what God is really primarily interested in, where where His heart is at, is not where we are sitting uh, for a minister's sermon. So we want to talk about this. Um, Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 is where we're going to to begin here uh, in talking about ministry. says now the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many and you say okay that's a wonderful verse and it has nothing to do with anything that you've said so far the problem is, is it has everything to do with what we've said so far because this word serve is the word minister the word service is okay. what it means to minister. and has nothing to do with, with speaking. Uh, Jesus didn't come to be a guest speaker for three and a half years. He did speak. He did spoke quite a bit. Um, we've been going through this series though, talking about the things that Jesus did, separate from the things that Jesus spoke. The things that Jesus spoke do give life. The words of Christ are the things that give life in his, his, his death and resurrection. But it is the things that he did that made it and, and pulled people to listen to him. And so Christ said, I, I come to, to serve. Um, and so uh, it tells us uh, uh, the stories of what he wants. The, the stories of what Christ did are the stories of what Christ wants me to be. Not just what he wants me to say, but, but what he wants me to mimic. Um, we were in Florida, and uh, we went, uh, it was St. Augustine, and so we, we were uh, one of the places we went was the Ripleys, believe it or not, and they had this old cinema I think it was like from San Francisco or somewhere Is a box. and you put in, you know, uh, whatever money that now is like a quarter, but it was, it was probably like a penny, you, know, in the 1800s. And it, it flipped like a, a, a thing in a cert like all these pictures, like just black and white pictures, and you, you put your eyes in there, and, and it flipped through like, you know, in, in about 30 seconds or a minute, it flipped through like a short little movie. And it's just each picture was photographs over, you know, period, you know, just slightly different, kind of like I used to draw in all my textbooks. The guy falling down the page, you know, flip the, someone, you know, uh, whoever had my textbook saw some some stick figure fall to his death. Every, you know every every, every textbook that, that I ever did. Um, but and that was it was a silent movie, and and people were like wow, and and so they see some prospector do something and that was entertainment in you know the 1860s I guess in San Francisco. If you were bored for 30 seconds, and and, and that's sort of what. What we're looking at Christ silent, the silent movie, as we observe christ for for three and a half years doing these things and saying, "Wow, that was that was neat." What he did there was amazing, And so we're talking about Christ ministering yeah you know, that, that that misunderstanding of the word minister always had me confused as a kid because Oh, I looked at the story, of, specifically one story where, where Jesus he goes up and he's tempted by by Satan and and he's he's done with all of that and, and and Satan leaves him and the angels came and ministered to him. And I was thought that's weird. They came and preached a sermon to him. Was, like I didn't get that as a kid. I, I, I said, so why would they minister? What did Jesus need a sermon? He should be the one teaching them or something, you know. Uh, but I didn't get the fact that, you know, here he's hungry. He probably can't make it down the mountain. He's starved. And so they came and and, and served him physically. They they did something physically for Jesus. Um, so we want to look at three stories uh, of Jesus' life that, that we can look at what he did in his ministry. Um, Matthew chapter 20 is where we're going to start. verse 29 Matthew 20 verse 29 now as they went out of Jericho a great multitude followed him and there were two men sitting by the road and when they heard that Jesus was passing by they cried out saying have mercy on us Lord son of David And the multitude warned them that they should be quiet, and they cried out the more, saying, Have mercy on us, Lord, Son of David. And so Jesus stood still and called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? And they said, Lord, that our eyes could be opened. And so Jesus had compassion, touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. Now sometimes Jesus said things that are amusing to me. This is one of them. What do you want? Dude, I'm blind. What do you think I want? Is this a free hamburger? I mean, it's like, I, I'm blind. But Jesus says, What do you want? I, I don't know why he says what he asks him what he wants. Is he just being polite? I, I don't know. Uh, uh, just uh, I don't think he's just, you know, making conversation. I, I don't know if you've ever had a request that not asked of you but you've asked something that sounded dumb as it kind of came out of your mouth right <laughs> it's like, I, I, I was like that really that, I probably just should have answered my own question or you know uh, that's certainly not what's happening here just say it out loud and here's here's a guy uh, what do you want and Jesus is not asking the dumb question you're going to ask somebody to do something for you which doesn't happen Uh, I want to see if I went to a doctor and I was blind I wouldn't have much hope that they could cure that and that's medical professionals with modern technology but to ask hey you know could, uh, could you just make me see like that's a stupid question of course I can't make you see what do you want do you have the audacity to ask Jesus to do the impossible? What do you want? Maybe, maybe I'll settle for something that would be good, you know I, that Jesus can do that's manageable. I think sometimes we do that, and maybe that's what He's doing. But what I want to look at <coughs> I, I, because I can't do this. If someone asks me for sight, I'm, you know, I, I can't provide that. Jesus did a lot of things that were miraculous, and said, "Well, I can't mimic that today. I don't have that ability. So, so, how do I take anything from this? Well, we're going to have to apply it now. Say that Jesus, being much more capable, used his commodities. He used now he had unlimited commodities, so that's wonderful for those people who he interacted with. He just he has unlimited supply, and and he did amazing things." I don't have an unlimited supply, but I do have commodities. He saw a physical need, and he knew that he could impact a person. Oh, people say it's not. I come in and answer. Ray knows this. If Ray gets to the phone before me. Right? Is, there's always a, a call. Can you pay my rent? Or That's what people want a lot of. So you've got to be careful if you ask today. What do you want? Money. <laughs> that's a lot on people's mind. You know, Jesus didn't give money to the guy to go see a doctor. or He didn't address him financially. Not that he never did. They had, they had a box that they kept money for poor. But he did address it himself. He used his commodities himself. Um, there's a, a guy in uh, in uh, New York, um, in Queens, New York. It's a, a Filipino uh, a preacher. His name is Ephraim Flores. And Ephraim Flores is, is a cool guy. I don't even know if he's still alive. He was pretty old the last time I saw him. But Ephraim Flores is an optometrist. And uh, one of the things he did, uh, whenever he traveled, he, this is a while ago, obviously I was a lot younger, but he, would, he, he knew preachers, there was a time where preachers didn't make good money. I, I don't make good, good money, but I get compensated decently. This has been a wonderful congregation to work in. There's a time, uh, my preacher, uh, an old guy, actually my professor, he said, there were the weeks I got paid in chickens. Okay. I've never been paid in chickens. Thank you, guy. <laughs> and so Ephraim would, would whenever he came, he's like most preachers, older, older gentlemen. So he would make a pair of glasses. He's like, come here. I, I bring my machine. I got my machine. And he'd look at his eyes and. That's what Ephraim Flores did? Cool guy. Is it a great dramatic thing? No. Did he bring sight to a blind? No, but he helped people read their notes. (laughs) He used his commodities, in other words, to bless people, to do something. And that's the idea. As I turn off the sound and watch Jesus do something, he's using what he has. And that's ministry. It doesn't have to be great dramatic. It's a simple thing. How impactful was this? I want to read the parallel story to this. Mark chapter 10. This kind of goes along with something we we talked about similarly when we talked about uh, um, Malchus. But Mark chapter 10. And we're going to just read a couple of verses in here. We're not going to read the whole story. In verse 46, it says, Now they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great multitude, blind to Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now we know that there, from the other story there are multiple men. But only one of them is named. In fact, we know not only the name of the man, we know the name of the father of the man. What's the point of this story? What is the point of supplying all these details? Again, I see the same thing that I see with Malchus. Why would the reader care that this man's name was Bartimaeus? Or that his father's name was Timaeus? What's the point? Unless that had such an impact that of the men that asked, it impacted one of them permanently, and possibly even his family. And that happens. So you impact somebody, and you you. It has ministry has. Spider webs. This person brought this person. You're like, how did they become a Christian? Well, this person over here and this person... And you trace it back. And, and it's like some person did some small thing. You had no idea. You can have a quarter of a church composed of, of something that came from one person that did one thing one time. And that's ministry. Using your commodities. The second one, Matthew chapter 12. Matthew 12, verse 22. Then he says, One was brought to him who was demon possessed, blind and mute. He healed him so that the blind and the mute both spoke and saw. And all the multitudes were amazed and said, could this be the son of David? They should have just asked Bartimaeus, he knew. Um, but when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. And then we go through this long thing, and we pay attention to all those, all those letters in red after that, right? We're not going to read those letters in red. I'm just looking at the black ones. Looking at what Jesus did. I don't want to talk about comfort. We talk about commodities. I want to talk about comfort. Um, so I want to get past what we focus on when we read this. We focus on the the doctrinal discussion about who Jesus did these things by the authority and 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 all that. And it's a good discussion to have. There's a lot to learn there. We also focus on the supernatural, much like the last one that Jesus had all the miracle powers. We we get maybe sidetracked on the demon nature of this and there are people that don't even uh... like the unexplainable we don't like the unexplainable things and so we dismiss sometimes there will be people that will dismiss the the demonic nature of what's happening here and and try to boil it down to a physical condition well this was just how they interpreted the physical condition uh... as a, as a demonic influence because I didn't understand I don't know if you've ever heard that before <coughs> a demon possession was you know wasn't really a thing but that's how they, it looked like you, it looks like it might be we don't know what to attribute it to so, so we'll just call it demon possession now that we are smarter we know that it wasn't really demons it was some physical disorder and, that, and that's what a lot of people say um, I don't agree with that This was demon possession, and it had side effects that looked very much like natural illnesses. That's what I believe. But they wrestled with this idea. They they couldn't explain it. Because... For one, Jesus didn't fit their theology, and they didn't know how a God who didn't fit their theology or a man who didn't fit their theology could be doing things. So they had to come up with an explanation because he just did this. And that's the the nature of the doctrinal discussion that we're not really getting into. But he's doing amazing things. That much they they can tell. And Jesus had a habit of letting his actions speak for themselves. We hear him say, "Listen, the stuff I do yeah. is—you is know—oh, the baptism of John was it from God or man? Right? Like, everything that Jesus do, He just lets actions talk. But what I want us to notice is not just the miracle, but I want to look at the man that He's working with. He has a number of physical limitations." So he has a limit on what he can intake, informational wise, right? Uh, he also has another limitation. He can't express things. That's hard. That's hard to minister to. That's hard to minister when 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 people have a difficulty getting information from you and even more difficult responding. How do you minister to that? We've had people we've had people well, do you have a Spanish service? That's hard. <laughs> no, we don't know the Spanish here Sorry. Man, I thought, man, it would be great to have translators. Like we don't have the supernatural way to do some of those things. There's communication barrier. There's a big portion of our neighborhood that that doesn't have that. And here we are holding the gospel and it's difficult to communicate. It's difficult to minister. (coughs) He also has psychological (coughs) things going on with them. Now he's brought to Jesus. That means he didn't come on his own. Someone had to do this for him. And so, who is Jesus ministering to? Really, Jesus isn't ministering to the person. He's ministering to the parents. That's who Jesus is ministering to. He's impacting the parents. Now, now once the man is healed of things, then, then he can minister to him spiritually. But at that moment in time, Jesus is... Spending time. I know we have people in here who who work with, with people with psychological difficulties. And I know they'll tell you to a person, without even asking them, that parents are impacted. Relatives are impacted when they see you care for people that get cast aside by society. And the church is no different. We can remove the miracles from it, and the same thing is going to happen. The same thing is going to happen. If we minister to people who we go, yeah, but, I mean, here's a kid with autism. Or here's this, or here's that situation. If you think that way, you're missing a family. Those spider webs that that, that that are connected. That we don't know where they end up. And it's important. And so he comforts. Now, um, when we look at Jesus, though, he has this tenderness that, to me, it, it just comes off the page. When I turn off the volume and I just look at it, it's like I, I can just see the way Jesus is with this with this person I can't do miracles but I can show the tenderness that, that Jesus has the third one Mark chapter 9 Mark chapter 9 verse 14 it's going to be a similar Situation from the previous one. We're just going to add a, an element to it. When he came to the <laughs> disciples, there was a great multitude, and the scribes disputed with them. And immediately, when they saw him, the people were greatly amazed and ran to him. And he asked the scribes, "said What are you discussing?" And one of the crowd answered, "said Teacher, I was I, I brought my son who has a mute spirit, is it a demon again that's making his son mute. So there's a lot of similarities. But when it seizes him, it throws him down and foams at the mouth and gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they would cast it out, but they couldn't. And he answered and said, O faithless generation, how long will I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him and fell on the ground, and he was foaming at the mouth. And so he asked the father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood... And often he's thrown them down into the fire and the water, destroy him, but if you can do anything, have compassion and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you believe, all things are possible. Immediately the father of the child cried out with tears, Lord, I do believe, but help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit and said, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you to come out of him and don't, go, don't enter into him anymore. And the spirit cried out, convulsed, and Came out of him and he became as one who was like dead. So many said, Oh no, he, he's dead. And Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he rose. And then they have the discussion of the, d- the disciples, why they couldn't raise, and we get into another doctrinal discussion. This manifests like epilepsy, and again the same criticism. Well, it was just epilepsy, and they called it demon possession. No, it was a demon possession that manifested like epilepsy. That's all. Pretty simple. We can subtract the supernatural and subtract the doctrinal discussion, and still gain stuff from this. How? What, what is similar? There's a there's an element here. Um, I used to get kind of frustrated at this verse because it sounds like Jesus is criticizing the parents. Oh, faithless generation. And, and someone explained to me, he's probably criticizing the disciples for their inability to cast it out and not the man. The man is naturally frustrated. Because it just kind of seemed tone deaf and kind of... Uncompassionate And that's not the Christ I observe I'm sure that in that doctrinal discussion there was Everything was cleared up But there's a competence I, I like what Jesus does here Now in, in verse 21 It's just probably a verse that gets lost In all of this event He asked the Father How long has this been happening to him Now Jesus already knew the answer to the question Jesus could tell more about the situation than the man knew. So why ask the question? Isn't that odd? Why ask a question you know the answer to? Uh, if you've ever been to a hospital, which all of us have, and if you've ever had something wrong, and doctors start talking, it, it like it brings you down. Like, there might be hope for something here. Just just hearing information about something, it 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 starts to you, you start to process things intellectually. I guess I guess it, it gets you into your left brain maybe or something. I don't know what it does, but but there's a calming effect. You, you go from hysterical to okay, all right. This is manageable. If you underst- I, he's a man who's competent and he might not be able to help me. But at that moment, my mind is going, okay, there's there's hope, and and I can stabilize my mind. So here we have a situation, and and, and the man's at his wit's end. With, With whatever's been happening with his son, and Jesus just demonstrates competence. In the moment, starts asking questions. How long has this been happening? Start evaluating the situation. Calms people down. And involves the family in the situation. That's, That's something that we can do in moments. To, to be observant of situations not just run into da, 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 but engage people in conversation that's a dialogue and it builds connections with people it involves them in what's happening and, and it builds a relationship and people will return for a relationship People are interested in that. People aren't just interested in a three-hour or a three-year lecture circuit. That's not what they're interested in. When it comes down to it, the vast majority of the words I've ever spoken from this pulpit have been forgotten, including by me. What brings people? Relationships, a connection, and certainly a connection with Christ. A relationship with Christ, but connections to people—that's And that's ministry. Using our commodities and looking for ways to serve. By the way, that reminds me—we uh, still have outstanding. I'm not sure when uh, when that's going to be kind of discussed, but uh, at our last quarterly meeting. Uh, we're looking for things to do as a congregation, ways to minister in our in our community. Um, so that's that's still things. If you've got if if something I've said kind of touches off your, your brain and gets you thinking in a particular area, uh, send an email to the elders, either one, and, uh, and 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 that's things that we're going to be considering as things, ways to impact and and make as a congregation. Opportunities for us to share the gospel through service all of these things where we can show our compassion uh, that Christ demonstrated where we can show that, that competence the calmness the, the, the stability of having a faith in Christ and, and using whatever it is that we have Man, I wish we could do miracles. I wish I could just walk down the street to the hospital and just empty it out. That would be awesome. I can't do that. Uh, but I can turn off the volume for just a moment and watch Christ. And, and, and leave here a person who knows how to impact people uh, around me.